Welcome to the City Hill Podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. For today, because I've got some things I want us to kind of think through. So when you do download it, if you go on any good app store, City Hill, all one word, Space London, you'll be able to find it. And when it does download, you'll find this kind of home screen. In the bottom corner, you press the menu button in the bottom corner and it have notes. And I've got some notes for today what I'm going to be speaking about. And you'll be able to kind of flick through there. You'll be able to fill in some blanks and also uh, be able to answer some questions and think through some things for yourself as we kind of go through. Today I'm going to be talking from Matthew chapter 16 verses 13 down to 20 and this passage has been sitting with me all week so I just wanted to share it with you guys. I'm just going to read. Now when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples who do people say that the son of man is and they said some say John the Baptist others say Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied you are the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Gehenna, the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Then he strictly charged his disciples to tell no one, to tell no one that he was the Christ. So the first bit is this. He asks Simon Peter a question. He says, who do people say that I am? And so the first thing, if you've got the app, if you've got the notes section open, I want you to write in there for a second, who do people you know say that he is? Like you may never have asked anyone that question. You may never have had a conversation about that. But when you think about the wider context of today and the world around us, who do people say that Jesus is? And, And that has a bearing, you see. You see, the conversation that Jesus is having with Peter is one about where his primary, who has the primary authority for setting his worldview. It's about the primary authority to set his worldview. Who do people say that I am? So you see, different people will have different views on who Jesus is. And as a society, what we do is we have different views on things, but there's a shared view. There's a shared, there's like the unspoken rules. It's like you go into a workplace, there are some things they'll read you through, there's policies they'll go through, but there's just things you're expected to know, things you're expected not to do, things you're not, you're expected to not just go and and do this or do that. Jesus is first of all talking about the the, the unconscious level, the, the community, the shared values of who people are saying he is because he's becoming a prime a primary and prominent discussion point in society so the first thing jesus says is who do people say that i am and he separates that as a separate thing over here in a separate conversation and i think one of the things we have to do when it comes to jesus and i wanted us to do as we we start city hill up again and we build and he builds his church here is I wanted us to separate this conversation and go, this is who people say Jesus is, this is who people say God is, this is who people say what the Bible is, and they put it over here. Then I want us to decompartmentalize that and make that a separate thing for us. Because you see, the thing that you and I can sometimes do is we can kind of just, because we're a part of the common shared conversation, we can accept parts of the conversation that actually we're never meant to accept. Parts of different kinds of thinking become part of our thinking that were never intended for us. So who do people say that he is today in our society around us our friendship circle our friends and our family 
Then he moves on to the next question. He comes closer to home, that's they, and what they say and what society says. Then he moves to, who do you say? Who do you say that I am? Now, if you've got the notes, that's the next part for you to figure out and for you to write out. And I would suggest not just thinking of it from a theological perspective, but maybe what you've kind of grown up in church from seeing, but to have an actual moment today where you actually think through, well, who is Jesus to me right now? We talked a few weeks back and we talked about, I know the plans I have for you. And we talked about plans to prosper you. We talked about a God who knows the plans for you, doesn't tell you necessarily the plans. We talked about a God in some sense that we have to discover for ourselves. The fact that someone imparts some information to you doesn't actually help you in any way. It's something that has to be revealed to you by God. It's not something you can, you can fake. It's not something you can get the right, you can get all the right answers on a piece of paper and still walk away with absolutely nothing in this conversation. So the first part is who do people say? Then it's who do you say Jesus is? And then Peter comes with this answer where he doesn't just say you are the Christ. A lot of people in their society could have come to the decision on their own that Jesus was the Christ. They could have looked at different signs from the Old Testament that they'd grown up treasuring and said he's the Christ. But Peter doesn't say that. Peter says you are the Christ, the son of the living God. A God who was alive, a God who was among them. When they were talking about the living God, there was an element to it that it's alive to them. It's not the idea of a God that's from back then or from when something else happened. It's not the idea that you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, Moses, someone else and their narrative. When you talk about the living God, you're saying he's alive right now and he's my God and he does something for me here and now. He's not then, he's now. So Peter makes three statements. He's making the statement, you're the Christ. Cool. People can make that statement. Some were having that conversation in society already. Then he moves on to you're the son of the living God. You're the son of God. How you get to that point from the things he's seen and things he's experienced isn't something you could get from your own mind. And then he says you're the living God, the God who's present, the God who's here and is doing something. And then Jesus has a response to Peter. And he says to him, Simon, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Simon Bar-Jonah basically means, so Peter's name is Simon, Bar means son of, and then Jonah. So he's literally saying at this point, and he's being very intentional with the language he's using. He's making a very intentional point. Blessed are you, Simon by Jonah. Blessed are you, son of Jonah. Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Straight away, he's creating the same separation that we've seen in the first part. There's a separation of the idea of this being a shared, common conversation in community. This conversation has to move from the shared communal conversation to a very personal conversation. And here the separation is from his father. Now, when you would leave your father and your mother to follow your rabbi, what would happen is you would leave, your dad would no longer be the lead authority in your life. The rabbi, the teacher would, he'd be the lead authority. You'd want to be more like the rabbi than you'd want to be like your dad. That's how kind of intimate this relationship interaction was. So in this moment, he brings up Peter's identity from his past and from growing up as a child and says, Blessed are you, son, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven reveals this to you. And this also teaches you something. So, for example, for me, one of the best things my dad ever did was he'd tuck me up in my bed at night as a small child, and he'd probably make me aware of stories he should never have made me aware of, but he'd make me aware of them anyway, because that's how my dad is. And he would tell me about his dad and how his dad went to the war and how a piece of shell hit him in the heart, and he was laying, dying on, on a hospital bed, and he... he, he had grown up in a society that said if you smoked you were going to hell uh, and that was the society they grew up in smoking won't send you to hell but it will make you smell like you've already been 
because you're going to stink of flames. But anyway, that's the way he grew up. So he just said on this hospital bed, God, if you, if you heal me, if I live through this, I will never smoke again. And my dad would tell me this story, tucking in a small child to bed. I don't know why, but he would. And he'd say, your granddad never smoked again for the rest of his life. And God saved him, God healed him. God looked after your granddad. And then my dad would tell me another story, which he shouldn't tell a small child tucking in tonight again. But he'd tuck me in a bed and he'd go like, a few years back, I was made redundant. For three months, I couldn't find work. And I thought we were going to lose this house. I didn't know how I was going to feed you. I didn't know how I was going to look after you. And then he'd say to me, God looked after granddad. God looked after me. And he said to me, one day, God's going to look after you as well. He'd tell me a story of my granddad running a news agent's living in the sweet shop and selling news agents, newspapers, and then living in the apartment above. And then the landlord kicked him out, not only of his apartment, but also his business. And how he said, my dad was in church on the Sunday morning. My dad was, well, my granddad, my dad was a little boy looking up at his dad. His dad just had his arms outstretched, worshiping God and putting his tithe in the offering, knowing he was homeless. And my dad would say to me, God looked after granddad. God looked after me and God will look after you too. And I'm looking forward to the day because Eden isn't the child I can tell those stories to and put my hand on her chest. It wouldn't comfort her. Aria, it would. Eden, it wouldn't. But I'm looking forward to the day when I can pass that on. But Jesus in this passage is saying, this isn't the kind of thing you can just pass on. You've got to have a, you've got to cut ties with Simon, son of Jonah. And you've now got to connect to my father who is in heaven, Jesus says. Blessed are you, Simon by Jonah, for flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, so now he's gone from his natural father, cutting off being the primary formative figure. Then he's telling him the real connection is, is my father in heaven. He's revealed this to you in some powerful way, separate from any interaction anyone else can bring. And then he comes to what he wants to tell him. He says, and I tell you, you are Peter, different name now, because he was Simon Peter. I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. If you notice in the epistles, There's no letters from Simon. There's letters from Peter. So Peter really took this on board to the point where Simon Peter said, I'm not Simon, son of Jonah anymore. I'm pursuing my father in heaven and Jesus called me Peter. So I'm keeping the Peter. And he goes, I tell you, you are Peter, which means rock. And on this rock bed, I will build my church and the gates of Gehenna shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. And he strictly charged his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ, which I always find funny. And Andre with the Bible Book Club, this um, uh, past session was actually going in quite a lot about uh, Jesus kept on telling people, don't tell anyone, which is kind of like you'd think it's the worst idea in the world. But actually, sometimes it's not such a bad idea. Jesus was revealing a powerful lesson. Some things get handed down from fathers or influences, but this has to be handed by God. This isn't something someone else can give to you. Jesus wants to realign today the primary source that shapes your world. He wants you to first of all cut off they will say. He then wants to move straight to the father and the father shapes the child, the mother shapes the child. But Jesus goes, you need to receive something from my father and I need to tell you how I see you, how I see you. So if you've got the notes today and I tell you you are um, Peter, but there's, there's also the element on here where you can, I want you to start to think about yourself as, as, as Simon, it says there, Simon Bar-Jonah. Well, I want you to insert your name there and your father's name or your mother's name. Or if it's not your father or your mother, but whoever the key influencer is in your life, I want you to put your name there. So for me, it'd be Andrew Bar-Brian. <laughs> That's what I'll be filling in that space. It doesn't sound as good as the Bible when you say Andrew Bar-Brian. 
but there's a realization, and, and this has happened for me. Jody can testify. When me and my dad talk about Jesus, sometimes it sounds like we're talking about different people. When we talk about the Bible, it sounds like two people have two very different books because I don't derive every, I've got a lot of good things from my dad, but I'm not trying to catch what my dad has. I'm trying to catch something from Jesus. I'm trying to catch something from the Father in heaven. So today, as we meet for the first time, we're coming to the very realization that Jesus says, I will build my church. And it's the church that he builds that the gates of heaven, gates of hell don't stand a chance against. And he builds something. Now, I see a lot of people that get hurt by church. And I guess that's a lot of the reason why we started City Hill in the way that we started it was we didn't start City Hill for everyone, but we started City Hill for someone. We didn't start it for everyone, but we started it for someone. And, and the idea is this, you see, some people get really hurt and crippled by church and they go, well, I'm done with church. You know, there's me and my personal Jesus. I've got my revelation. But as soon as Jesus talks with Peter about Peter receiving this revelation as an individual, he's talking about building a community. He's talking about building his people. So for me, you can never, ever, ever be done with the church. You can say, I'm not going to be with this group. I'm not going to be with that group. But you can't do this on your own. It doesn't work. Because, and here's the other thing. You see, this is also, this goes past any individual culture because when you get it directly from the father and it's through the son jesus what happens is is i can't end up with a a a a a form of church that will be solely for one group of people because he's calling every tribe and every tongue now how do you come together from different backgrounds different walks different viewpoints different partisan lines on all different types of topics where we talk about what communities say, what the shared value is over here. How do you come together and create a new community? You can't unless you get what you get directly from the Father. And that's then how we can come together from any walk of life and be united in Jesus because he's outside of it all. But that can't happen if we and if I don't come to him and say, look, Jesus, this is what society says you are. This is what society says is true. I'm going to put this here on this piece of paper. Jesus, this is what my father taught me. And some of it was really good, but it's over here. But Jesus, I want to cut ties with these things. I want to be who you say I'm going to be. I want you to shape me. I want to receive something straight from your father, the father in heaven. I don't want to be shaped by everyone else because I want to be a part of something you're building here and now because I want to be a part of something the gates of hell will not prevail against. And when I look around so often, when we don't make that the priority, what can happen is a particular people group, a particular individual, a particular style, a particular person with a particular issue, all of a sudden can't find their place in what he's doing. But when we come straight to him and we give him that position in our lives, we can become a part of something and love people we never thought we'd be able to love. What does Jesus tell him and what does he give him? He gives him the keys. He tells him that he's someone else. He tells him that he's building a church and that he's going to be a part of the very rock bed and the foundation that becomes a part of this movement. I believe Jesus is saying the same thing to you and I. When you and I have who Jesus is revealed to us by the Father, something should come alive in us and then we can start thinking about us receiving those kinds of things. Jesus building his church at City Hill at other places And he wants to shape you and me into becoming a part of that together. Not as individuals, not winging our own thing, but he wants us to be together. I believe that God is inviting you and I to build in our lives as individuals and then as a collective. 
So the last part on the notes, and this is something that isn't just something for here and now, but I mean, you can always think of the worst thing in your life right now and just fill in the note and go like, that's the area God wants me to build. This is the area where I suck in life. I know I suck at this. This is the area God wants me to build. That's absolutely true. But I do want to say sometimes that sometimes we focus in always on like, this is the worst things. It's the most obvious thing. But one of the things I remember someone saying to me, I was saying, well, oh, when it comes to church, when it comes to these different things, uh, these are, uh, I'm so weak in this area, I need to develop it. And then someone one day just said to me, why bother? I said, what do you mean, why bother? He said, just pray the Lord send someone who's good at that. And then they do all that and you don't do it. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, I'm not good at that stuff. I don't, do you think I do it? I was like, you don't do it? He's like, no, 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 I don't do any of that. I have this person do that. I have someone else do that. And then I do what I do and I grow in what I'm good at. And I praise God every day that that person's growing in what they're good at because now I don't have to do it anymore because it was killing me. And then you're like, oh, snap. So the reason I say that before you feel the sin, what does God want to build in your life? Because it might not be your weakest area. I'm not saying God doesn't want to improve it. I'm not saying God doesn't want to make it better. Of course he does. I'm just saying that might not be the primary thing that you need to put in the notes because that might not be the primary thing that God wants to do in you right now. Now for Peter, there was a point where Jesus said to him, Peter, Satan has come to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. And here he's calling him rock. Peter's weakness was always that he was going to get swayed and blown about. And so Jesus called him the very thing that he needed to be for him to grow, and that was rock. Maybe today Jesus is saying something else to you. Maybe saying today God is speaking something else to you that's going to send to you, that's going to enable you to build on what it is you're doing. The last thing I want to say about Peter is this, before we wrap up, is when we look at Peter, we look at his mistakes and we talk about his mistakes. The thing I love about Peter is his mistakes because the thing about Peter is he doesn't have intentions. I meet a lot of Christians who have intentions, intentions to do this, intentions to do that. None of those things ever happen. What does Peter do? Peter's a doer. He just goes and does it. Does he cause a mess? Yeah, he does. Does he screw it up a lot of time? Yeah, he does. But he does some flipping awesome stuff because he does that. I think sometimes you and I sit with the best intentions, but the best intentions amount to absolutely zero if there's not small actions. So the key thing about Jesus building his churches and he's building it on this rock bed, is he needs people like Peter who are going to make a mess of it and aren't scared to make a mess of it, but they're courageous enough to do something about it. I'm going to pray for us today. Father, I thank you for your grace upon each one of us. I thank you, Lord, that we got to meet again physically. I thank you, Lord, for all of June that we'll be meeting in this same way. I pray, Lord, that you would do something in this time, in this season, and in the month of June that would help build us as individuals, but for your collective plan. Now, that can't happen by things that I feed down or pass on to anyone, but that can only happen when we get things directly from you. That can only happen when we hear from you directly in our lives as individuals, but for the collective benefit. I pray, Father God, for every person that's come today and also for those who are going to be listening on SoundCloud and on the podcast, Lord. I pray, Father, you do something significant in their lives, that you help them to build, not just for themselves, but for those around them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. We are the light, we are the light. We are the light, we are the light. We are the light, we are the light.